Welcome to the first episode of Bronco Busters, a podcast sharing the stories of women and queer people in pro wrestling. My name is Erin. In this episode, I chat with 19-year-old Waramai and Camilla Roy woman, Rochelle Rogue. Rochelle has been wrestling across New South Wales and Queensland for three years. Originally from Walgett, New South Wales, she now resides in Newcastle. We talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and Rochelle's experiences of racism, both in wrestling and in real life. We also touch on the Speaking Out movement, where allegations of abuse and sexual assault in wrestling worldwide have exposed the need for systemic change in the industry. If this brings up anything for you, you'll find relevant support in the show notes of this episode and on our website. Joining me today over video from Newcastle is the wonderful Rochelle Rogue. She's 19 and she is a proud Waramai and Gamilaroi woman. Hello, Rochelle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Like, this is awesome. No, it's an an absolute pleasure. pleasure. As I said before we started recording, I really love your work. Um, And I think what you do is really special. So pleasure to have you. When did you first come across wrestling? So I've been a massive professional wrestling fan ever since I was like a little kid. My parents used to watch it. And um, when I was 16, like just a little bit over 16, um, my dad saw a tryout and he's like, well, I'm too old for this, but you know, why not um, do it? And if you don't get in, well, how cool would it be just to say that you've even done the tryout and like about three years later, here I am. <laughs> I love that his first idea was that he wanted to go do the tryout, but then he was like, oh no, maybe you should try it. <laughs> oh, it was, a, it's great. We, it was a great time. What did you like about it growing up? What kind of drew you to it? Um, I just thought it was like so cool. Like all the characters and the way they did all of these moves and it was just so inspiring and it just left me in awe because I didn't know how a person could do this and still be okay. It was like I used to boggle my mind because like I was like only a little kid. I didn't realize that it was like a work half the time yeah yeah I think some of us all still feel that way when we watch our favorite wrestlers we're like how are they doing that literally though (laughs) so yeah you kind of like got straight into the 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 training um and and correct me if I'm wrong did you get your start at the house of free fighting up in Newcastle Uh, no I started at suplex professional wrestling cool okay so you started your training at suplex um what was that like it was good for the most part. Um, like I real, I created family connections there, which was really good, but sometimes you just kind of need to let those things go and realize what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. And how long did you train before you broke in? Um, so I was about, 16 months before I had my first ever rumble match as Rochelle Rogue. I was on and off for a few months after that. And then in September was my singles debut at Suplex. You mentioned your your name, Rochelle Rogue. Could you describe Rochelle to someone who's never seen her perform before? So 
Rochelle is, she's the rogue warrior. So the whole idea of that is she's take no shit. She will stand up for what she believes in. She'll stand up for others. She's kind and caring and like someone that's just easy to talk to and tries to be friends with everyone because she wants to make wrestling a, a better place for everyone and yeah mm. that's really special that's a really cool character um in terms of your your move set and your performance what's your style oh that i'm still learning that yeah like um i'd say it's more of a strong like it's more japanese strong style at the moment mm-hmm. but I've really wanted to incorporate more British-style wrestling and, like, uh, luchador stuff into my move set, which, be, which is what I'm working on at the moment. Mm. Who, um, who are your kind of influences around that style? Is there anyone that you look up to that you'd like to take and choose from? So absolutely, I absolutely adore Charlie Evans and the way she wrestles. Yeah. Oscar... Uh, Natalia and Beth Phoenix, like mm-hmm. all of those types of women, and um, Ray Mysterio and Matt and Jeff Hardy. Like, I find them so cool with all like the flippy shit, and like, yeah, ah, so cool. <laughs> yeah, we're all we all love a bit of flippy shit here in in the wrestling, don't we? <laughs> Dude, it's so cool. <laughs> you mentioned obviously a, a fair few. Very influential women. Beth Phoenix is one that stands out to me as someone who I really looked up to growing up um, as a fan watching wrestling. And one of your kind of catchphrases or your slogans that you run with is fight like a girl. Um, who are your favorite women's wrestlers ever? Oh, so, oh, this is so hard. I've, I have a fair few. So definitely would have to have China, Lita, Trish Stratus in later years, yeah, Natalia, Beth Phoenix, um, Taya Valkyrie is so cool, Jessica Havoc, um, I'm just trying to think, Kellyanne and Vixen, um, mm-hmm. Erica Reed, um, Charlie Evans, like, oh, and Shazza, Shazza, oh, Shazza is someone I really do look up to, especially now since all the speaking out movement, like. Mm. Yeah, she's been super vocal along with other women and survivors. So I guess who have been your favourite women to work with so far in the the Newcastle scene? In the Newcastle scene? Um, that's a very good question. Because I've never really, got, like, only in recent months have I gotten to wrestle other women I was a very intergender um like intergender wrestler for a lot of my career so far mm. but some of the most uh, the people that I've absolutely adored working with in my very short career was and uh Shazza McKenzie um Lena Cross Zena and Kingsley <laughs> Uh, there is more uh, Tali, Jasmine, Edith Knight, yeah. and I've also gotten to wrestle Lucille Brawl, um, and I've got like a very special place in my heart for Stella Nix and 
um, Candy Lee. Yeah, they are all amazing people and I cannot rate them high enough as like people. They're all very, very lovely and very genuine. Yeah, we're pretty lucky here. Hey, there's lots of incredible women in our scene across the country. We really are. <laughs> Speaking on that, you obviously alluded to the Speaking Out movement and that's been, you know, really big for a lot of people in our industry. I know that um, especially women and survivors of abuse. And I, th- I think that this time in wrestling, I think the interesting thing for me is the fact that, you know, you're um, people like Shaza who've been around for a long time and yourself, you're still very young and new to the scene, but it's still, um, it's having an impact on everyone in the scene because the the industry is changing as we know it. Um, how do you feel about that? The fact that, you know, we're all kind of bunkered down right now in, in quarantine and in the because of the pandemic, but soon enough wrestling will come back. And do, do you think it's going to look different when we all do come back? I feel like wrestling is going to, like, it's had a really rude awakening, like, with the Speaking Out movement and the Black Lives Matter movement. Wrestling is going to have to evolve and change because there are a lot of us that are not going to let that, like, that type of shit slide. Like, um, there are, like, there have been companies now that, even though we're in quarantine, they've been shut down because of stuff that their promoters and stuff that they've let like get away with. And they've been shut down straight away. And I feel like a lot of companies are going to have to really have bunker down in what are their code of conducts and all of that stuff. And they've really got to work hard to see what are their problems, what are their faults and how can they fix that to make it, like a safe place in wrestling, not just for the people that are in here now, but for the people that are going to come in what five years time, we've got to, we've got to make wrestling a safe place for not just us, for the people that are going to come in and going to be the future for professional wrestling. Mm, Totally. And I think people like yourself really are, you know, as much as it's about, we need promoters to take action because they're in those positions of power and authority right now. I feel like people like yourself, young people and people who are from diverse backgrounds are going to be the change makers who lead the way in a lot of ways. Um, do you feel any sort of pressure in that sense? The fact that, you know, the, the fact that as the industry changes, people who have been affected or people who feel really strongly towards these issues there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into that in having to support victims and to speak out for people who aren't yourself even. Um, how do you feel about that? It is so hard. Like, like I've had my own personal experiences in wrestling and it is, a, it is very hard emotionally. But the way I think about it is if I can be the voice for someone else, I can not only help them, I can help other people that may or may not be comfortable enough to speak out like a bit like about their, um, their assaulters and abusers in the industry. And I like, my whole thing is I just want wrestling to be a safe place. I 
want to I don't want to have to hear that another girl or another guy or um, any other type of person and I want everyone to feel like they don't have to they don't have to worry about even going to a show like I don't another way like I don't want people to feel the way I felt when I was when I was younger like uh, in the scene like i you know, wrestling has no place for these type, like for those types of people, the ones that are assaulting and abusing people and all of that, all of that shit. There is no place for them in wrestling. There is no place for them in general society. Mm. Totally. I hear you. Um, thank you for sharing that. It's, it's all, it's all a lot for a lot of people right now. So yeah, I really appreciate you being open and, um, forward about how you're feeling. Um, on the Black Lives Matter movement, you obviously you wear your your aboriginal flag really loud and proud on your gear what does it mean for you to be able to do that it's kind of like a honestly because i'm very very light skin i'm very pale person i know this but it's more so a big fuck you to everyone who has ever said that oh you're not aboriginal like you know what i mean like all of those things oh you're too you're too white you're just you're just like um pretending to be aboriginal to get like benefits and it's a big fuck you to them and it's like well i am who i am i know who i am my family knows who i am like i've got like i spent what the best part of four years in a a very highly populated indigenous community. I went to a primary school where there was like a 99% indigenous, um, indigenous children rate. Hmm. Like it's me that like my culture is who I am and I don't give a damn what anyone says. And I've, yeah, like, I've called out promoters on it and I think I'm of the opinion. I don't care if I don't get booked on shows because I am who I am. I am proud of who I am. And if no, if people are going to use that against me, then it's their loss. Like, yeah, I was going to ask that because um, I guess some of the other people who are really proudly Aboriginal or indigenous in the wrestling community who have been around for um, a lot longer have only just started to feel comfortable to wear their flag or to express their heritage loud and proud in that way. And I guess it means a lot to some of those people and to all of us to be able to see you taking that and, yeah, giving that big fuck you to anyone who says that you're not allowed to do that. I guess the sense of community that that inspires in our industry, I guess what does it mean to you to be a part of that community of of aboriginal and torres strait islander indigenous people in pro wrestling in australia it means so much to me like i never like i never knew there was like that there was that many indigenous people in the australian wrestling scene and torres strait islander like i never could even fathom because when i started what there were Indigenous people, but they weren't necessarily proud of their their heritage, and they didn't really want to accept the fact that they were. And now I was supposed to be involved in a um, 
like a wrestling show called Stomping Ground. I was so looking forward to Stomping Ground before COVID. I was like, oh, I'm getting on a plane and I will be there in a heartbeat. Like I was so excited too. And though I may not have met a lot of the people on the roster, I now have, I have family there now. Like I have family in the indigenous community of Australian mm. professional wrestling. Like I, like with all the, the speaking out and I've had a lot of issues come up within wrestling and I've always had them there to support me because they know what it's like as a indigenous person in professional wrestling. And they always check up on me and they want to make sure that I'm doing okay. And mm. I haven't felt that sense of community since I was, since I was living in Walgett when I was like a little kid. It's really good to see. And I honestly hope that more people like more people become proud of who they are and want to express that yeah I am I am this person this is my culture this is my heritage and I don't give a damn what any of you bigoted piece of shits think that's so powerful I guess there's lots of conversations happening now around change in pro wrestling and I guess a lot of those conversations have been about speaking out but there's also the conversations happening about, you know, racism in the industry because we know that that exists. And off the back of Black Lives Matter, what what do you think needs to be done in Australian wrestling to address racism experienced by workers, fans, anyone who's involved to bring about racial justice? It's all honestly, it's all about education. A lot of these people with these bigoted mindsets it's because they were raised that way. They were taught this. It, racism is a learnt behaviour. Like, you never see a little, like, toddler hate on someone because of their skin colour. You know what I mean? It is yeah. a learnt behaviour. And if we want change, we need to educate people. Like, I've had people talk to me about the Black Lives Matter movement and say it's just a leftist agenda. And I... <laughs> I did get very, very emotional about it. And I literally told them, I'm like, I have family that have become a part of the Aboriginal people in custody. Like I have family that have become part of that statistic. Wow. I have family that can't even go to the shops without being followed by security because they think they're going to steal something. I haven't spoken to her in years, but every time shit happens, she messages me. And she's like, I was followed. The, I was followed at the fucking shops again. And this girl, she's the first ever um, kid in her family to go to uni. She finished, like, she finished high school. She's going to uni. She is the nicest person you'll ever meet. And like, she'll, she literally can't do anything wrong because she's so against being a part of the statistics. She wants to be like, yeah, I may be dark skinned. Like, I may be. <laughs> very dark but that doesn't mean that I'm gonna go and steal all your shit in your shop I'm not gonna go fucking sniff petrol I'm not going to be the fucking stereotypes that you put like put on me and yeah like I'm fortunate enough that I don't get that because I am very light-skinned but like it's so bad because if I went out with my family who are of dark skinned we'd all get racially profiled we'd all get that same 
we're going to follow, like, you know, we're going to follow that group of people because they're, they're of, like, they're black, they're, they're going to fucking steal shit and all that. Like, yeah. So mm. it's all about educating people and it's all about not having that bigoted mindset, which is what we've got to get people out of. It is very hard. And I was talking to Joel Bateman about, I had a particular experience with um, a certain company. I'm not saying any names because I don't want to cause any drama. They had people on their roster talk shit about me because I I called the promoter out on being a racist because he was being a fucking racist. Yeah, they were talking shit and they were saying that, yeah, um, I don't know what I'm fighting for. I don't know what um, I should be fighting for, all this shit. And I'm like sent it off to Bateman and I'm like, what do I do about this? Mm -hmm. Like I've tried educating this person and they just wouldn't listen. And I've had other people who are not indigenous. They're like, well, we'll talk to this person, try to educate them ourselves. But it's the unfortunate thing. Some people just can't be taught. Yeah. And I've been targeted at like been targeted when COVID was really bad in New South Wales, like the first wave and the BLM movements were big and all the marches and all the protests and stuff. Um, I literally had someone message me, don't come. This was before House of Free Fighting. Don't come to training if you've come, went to the BLM movement marches and protests. It said you understand that, but it was more of a, You've directly talked to me. You haven't talked about it. Talked to any of your other Indigenous people in your roster or like in your training school. And I just messaged the person back. I'm like, yeah, I would have, but I was working. Thank you very much. Hmm. And that was kind of my kind of call to leave that certain mm-hmm. place. You, you said something in there, I guess, about not being able to educate a certain individual. And I guess we have a lot of pressure right now happening in the scene where we're pushing people out who don't deserve to be here anymore this all kind of falls under the the same banner right if we want true justice and we want true reform then everyone who's bigoted as you've said and who has those opinions that hurt people they've got to go they they do and it's it's hard It, it really is because like there's only so much like I can do. I've try. I'm talking to people, and Bateman literally said to me, "He's more than happy to have a conversation with said person." Yeah, it's. Yeah. Do you think that it should just be on, you know, myself? I'm I'm a white person, um, of privilege. Like it should be on people like us to have to do that heavy lifting, um, but at the same time. I'm very much of the opinion that we need to make space for voices like yours, people whose voices haven't been heard. And what that looks like for me is just stepping aside and, and letting letting people who have been marginalised take the lead on the on conversations like, you know, put it, putting people in positions of authority and power at wrestling shows and promotions. How, how do you feel about that as a, a step forward? I It would be amazing. Like, having like just someone like you can talk to and be like, well, this is what's happened. I've experienced this with said person. And yeah, like 
like a liaison officer or something like that. But it's more of a, are companies willing enough to do that? Which is the unfortunate thing. A lot of companies aren't. And like, it's just a very tough time at the moment trying to think of what can work and what can we do about it? Because I'm very much of my career is still very, very, it's so short already. And I've been told by people don't, don't piss off other promoters. They talk, they talk to other people and then that'll get a bad reputation for you. And that's always been in my back of my mind. Cause I'm very afraid that, well, yeah, I'm very vocal and I'm very, like very vocal about everything that has happened and everything that I've gone through and everything that the black life has matter means to me and my family. But yeah, it's, it's very hard. And being so young in the business too, it's, ah. <laughs> I want to ask, did you ever, at any stage, did you ever just think this is too hard? And did you ever want to quit? All the time. Like, Oh, wrestling is so hard. Oh, it was very hard for me. Like, I, <laughs> the, like, recently it's been so much better, but the start of this year and, like, a lot of last year, I wanted to quit. I didn't enjoy anything to do with wrestling, and that was because of, like, experiences that, I've, that I had and just the constant feeling like whatever I did in wrestling just wasn't enough. And I always got told like, trust the process, you know, but it was just a very hard time just to be able to go, go ahead with that, but still putting everything that I had into this, into the business and practically getting told that that wasn't enough and what I doing what I was doing wasn't enough was a very very big toll on me and my mental health before COVID I was contemplating quitting wrestling altogether and now it's like I've gained this massive support network like during COVID and it's very sad to think that I I did think that I wanted to leave the business that I've (laughs) I've given some of the best time like best moments and time of my life too and yeah like and I is that what made you stay that support network it did like I now have people that I literally call family that you know like (laughs) live in different states and I barely do get to see but they know for a fact that if they need to talk to me, like I'm here and vice versa. And that's the thing, even though there are so many shit things happening in wrestling at the moment, like, like we have each other and we can talk to each other about things and we can, we can help each other find what is best for us and how we can improve ourselves and improve our mental health and improve the way we are, looking at life and I'm so glad that I that I do have this support network and I'm hoping that I can help other people grow their support networks and yeah just 
being there for people. Like I, I tell all of my friends, I'm like, you're stuck with me. Like <laughs> no matter what happens, they they know for a fact, like even if I'm at work, I'll message them after work. Like they can message me, they can talk to me because I'm not going to judge them for anything that they're going to tell me, you know? To kind of bring this to a sort of conclusion, who are some of your favourite, I guess, Indigenous wrestlers at the moment that we should be watching? Oh, for sure. Um, Mako Hunter in the Northern Territory. Um, uh, Erica Reid, she's, oh, she's, so amazing michelle Hasluck, joel bateman um there are some really good talent at suplex that are indigenous as well like you've got ivy agos and miles malice there are so many indigenous people in this business that so have so much talent but don't necessarily get the platform to show show what they're capable of and they are definitely people to look out for and keep an eye on because these, a lot of these people are the, are the future for Indigenous wrestling in Australia. And I genuinely hope that I get to see them all grow and see them fucking knock out everyone in Australian wrestling and show that, you know, we're not to be fucked with. We are here and we are proud and we are valid members of this community as well. Bronco Busters would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which these interviews and stories are recorded throughout the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. We also extend this acknowledgement to the traditional owners of the various lands on which our guests reside. Sovereignty has never been ceded. Colonial violence is ongoing and the fight for justice resides with each of us. To hear and read more from the women and queer people of pro wrestling, head to our website, bronco-busters.com for more stories and transcripts. You can keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at broncobustersaunz. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.